The Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by Foot First Podiatry. Painful bunions, then it's time to get your bunion fixed with Foot First Podiatry's exclusive Sklar Bunionectomy. No scars, no casts, no crutches, no kidding. For more information about the Sklar Bunionectomy, visit footfirst.com. And by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years, makers of Liquitite Flexible Conduit, electrically connecting our world. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Sportscaster and Her Son, where sports bridges the gap between the generations. I am your host, Peggy Kaczynski, 12-time Emmy Award-winning sportscaster at NBC Chicago for 17 years. I'm the baby boomer. And I'm Jason Canander, freshman at UT Austin, Generation Z. I'm a writer for CBB Review on a talent for TSTV Sports. You can see all of my picks throughout March Madness on tallysitesports.com. And you're my son. I'm the mom. You're my son. Hey, we want to thank everybody who has downloaded the Sportscaster and Her Son from Apple and Podbean and uh, Google Podcasts, wherever you might be listening, even on our YouTube channel as well. Please continue to do so. Download and subscribe. Rate us because that is our lifeblood. And tell some people you know because that helps us too. So we like to say that we don't always get along, but we both share a passion for sports. And so we talk a lot of sports, and it does bridge the gap between us. A couple of years ago, we shared an experience together with sports that really kind of um, kicked off our our podcast, and that was the Ring Lardner Awards. So in this episode, we are going to talk about the Ring Lardner Awards here in Chicago. Ring Lardner was an American sports writer and columnist. He used satire to make fun of sports. He was a contemporary of Ernest Hemingway and F. Scott Fitzgerald, Virginia Woolf and J.D. Salinger. I mean, the golden era of writing in America. It's actually said that he was such good friends with Hemingway that when Hemingway wrote for his high school newspaper in Oak Park, Illinois, he actually used the pseudonym Ring Lardner Jr. So that's kind of cool. Lardner grew up in Niles, Michigan, went to high school for one year in Chicago. His first job, though, was as a teenager at the South Bend Tribune and then the South Bend Times. He moved to Chicago in 1913, where he started his syndicated newspaper column in the Chicago Tribune. Many people still know of this in the wake of the news. His book, You Know Me, Al, is a collection of fictional letters by a Bush League baseball player. And some of these letters were published individually in the Saturday Evening Post. His last published writings on baseball were based on the Black Sox scandal called Lose with a Smile. Ring Lardner's characters were known for talking like people in their slang. And so in Chicago, the Union League of Chicago honors Ring Lardner with annual awards to sportscasters and sports writers who exemplify the wit and warmth of, of Lardner's writing. The reason why the Ring Lardner Awards are special to me is because that's kind of how I got my platform. Um, I was lucky enough to do your introduction speech. Um, I didn't think it was very good when I was writing it. I was very, very, very nervous to go up and give the speech in front of so many people that I'd seen on TV, heard on the radio, that you had worked with. One thing led to another, and apparently my speech was pretty good. And I guess that's kind of how the podcast got gained traction. I know that we had started the podcast before, but I remember you told me, I don't 
I'm not going to tell you what to write in your speech. I'm not going to tell you what to say, but just make sure you push the podcast at the end. <laughs> so I think I pushed the podcast like three or four times. And now we're, what, two years later? And without the Ring Lardner Awards and the opportunity that at least it gave me as a 16-year-old at the time to speak in front of so many very much so accomplished and credentialed professionals in sports media certainly gave me my opportunity to make my first impression. And, you know, it did a lot of very good things for me and for us. And the 2020 awards were postponed due to the coronavirus pandemic, which was pretty tough because we were going to host. Yeah. Um, but this year's virtual. And, Mom, you want to tell us a little more about yeah. what this year entails to bring Learner Awards? You know, they've really, they, so they honor someone in broadcast and they honor a uh, writer, someone in print, and then they do a posthumous award as well. They have honored Peter Gammons, Harry Carey, Mike Ditka, Jeannie Morris. I mean, the list honestly goes on and on of some of the greatest uh, writers and broadcasters, not just from Chicago or in Chicago, but national as well. As you said, Jason, this year's event is going to be virtual. After 20 years, almost 20 years of the Ring Lardner Awards, they started with the Chicago Athletic Association and then moved to the Union League Club. Now they have to go virtual because of the pandemic. So what we would like to do is talk about the Ring Lardner Awards and give you the opportunity to tune in to the awards. You can find out about it this year at the Union League Boys and Girls Club website. I'm going to give it to you, so I'm going to say it slowly. It's ulbgc.org. That's Union League Boys and Girls Clubs, ulbgc.org. And you can find out more about this year's event, uh, which is coming up the end of April 2021. In the meantime, Jason, who is your favorite sports writer and let's say sports broadcaster? People always ask me this question, especially when I talk about my major and what I want to do with my career. I would say my favorite sports writer. It's a really tough one because I feel like in the age of digital media, it's a lot harder to put a face to the words that you're writing in an I'm Excuse me, that you're reading. But just kind of thinking off the top of my head, I've, I've always been a big Sports Illustrated guy. I got my my uh, my subscription in fifth grade and I've had it ever since. So um, various sports illustrated writers, you know, it's such a simple question, but it's so hard for me to answer because I read so many articles and feature stories and interviews, but I can't really think of one that sticks out. My favorite sports broadcaster though is two answers. One, I love Jim Nance for football and for college basketball. Always, especially during the tournament time, love watching games on CBS when he's doing the call. Just love the atmosphere that he brings to the uh, broadcasting booth. And then my other favorite broadcaster is Al Michaels. Nothing beats Sunday Night Football with Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth. As we reach the end of Al Michaels' career, I'm trying to really appreciate more when uh, Sunday Night Football is on, just kind of taking in the broadcast and listening to two of the best professionals and two of the greatest, more arguably the greatest broadcasting duo of our generation. So that would be my answer. Well, it's funny talking about Ring Lardner and how he um, used a lot of sarcasm and wit. I grew up loving Bob Verdi. I just, I, I love writers. I have a huge, huge respect for sports writers um, to be able to you know, turn a phrase and really make you remember something that they're saying. I, I just, I, in a sports 
especially when they can make you laugh. Uh, I love that. Bob Verde, his dry humor, all those years that he covered the Blackhawks, I was a huge Bob Verde fan. And my broadcaster would be Bob Costas. I had a picture of him hanging up from an article in, oh gosh, I can't even remember the old sports, uh, the first sports daily newspaper um, back in the early 80s. And um, there was an article about Bob Costas, and I had it hanging up in my my room in college uh, above my desk, kind of as my motivation, so... Those were mine, but why don't we talk to two of the winners for this year's virtual Ring Lardner Awards here in Chicago. So Tony Janetti joined the Sun-Times back in 1981 after nine years at the Daily Herald. She is the recipient of the print award for the 2020 Ring Lardner Awards, which were delayed uh, because of the pandemic. Now, what's interesting about Tony is that she was among the first women to cover sports from college to the pros here in Chicago. She retired in 2014, but you can still catch her on Twitter and every now and then, kind of like me, she's still working, doing an article here or there. And uh, Tony is joining us now on the podcast. Welcome, Tony. It's great to hear from you. And Peg, thank you so much for having me. And, um, you know, our friendship and our, um, our work status goes way back. So I'm really honored to be in your company in the Ring Lardner Award category. I really am. Oh my gosh, that that means a lot to me. I have to ask you this though: you weren't covering sports back when you started writing in the seventies. Um, mm-hmm. That was like Title IX era. That was right when Title IX was passed. Um, yeah. Were you given the opportunity to cover sports, or or was that not even no. an opportunity for you? No, not at all. I was. I was always into news, and I loved covering news events. I was an investigative reporter. Um, sports was always my um, my love. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I played as much as you could back then. Um, and, you know, when I was in high school, it, it was before 1972 in the, in the Title IX. But, um, you know, club sports and softball teams, and, uh, you know, I got my love of baseball and sports from my mom. <laughs> That's so funny. So, so did I. Yeah. Yes. So I, I think people don't realize how, and, and I bet even boys, uh, if they think back, um, if they had a dad who was into sports, that was great. But mom, if mom was there, <laughs> I mean, it really got entrenched. <laughs> I love it. Jason knows about that too, right, Jason? (laughs) Having a mom that's so into sports like this? Oh, I love it. So let me ask you this, Tony. Your byline, was it always Tony with an I? Or did you or your bosses ever feel that they didn't want readers to know that it was a woman writing about sports when you did start writing sports? Was it ever T-O-N-Y? No, it wasn't. And I will tell you a funny story. Um, one of my colleagues who was um, um, dearly departed, but he was a great guy, Lacey Banks, um, covered um, basket, pro basketball. Um, he was an African-American reporter. And when we, back in the day when you used to get mail, <laughs> mail to you at the Sun-Times before, um, at, before our pictures were in the paper, he used to get mail addressed to Miss Lacey Banks, 
and I would get <gasps> mail addressed to Mr. Tony Gennetti. <laughs> I don't think people really realize, which was good, you know? Um, when you're kind of anonymous in that way, people are only judging you by what they see in print, you know? And, and um, you know, it kind, of, it, it kind of sheds a light on things, right? I mean, you were always in broadcast so people could see you, um, and I'm and good or bad, they develop their um, opinions. I've always felt it's kind of tougher for women in um, the broadcast end of our media because in print, um, we could kind of stay anonymous, <laughs> so to speak, except to obviously the people you were covering um, until they started putting our pictures in the paper. <laughs> and, and then it really didn't change. I, I found that um, if people were mad at you, they were mad about what you wrote. Um, and I think it always took a little more for people to complain in a letter or a phone call or something about you or, um, or praise you, you know, either way. Um, so, um, I was always glad I was in print. (laughs) Jason. So now as I'm starting to get into my future in sports media, Mm-hmm. Obviously, print is starting to disappear and everything's moving digitally. Kind of an open-ended question, but what are your thoughts on the way that sports media is moving? And mm-hmm. I took a uh, journalism class my first semester, and my teacher was a lot like you, very old-fashioned, came in print. Everything that he did back when he was uh, a journalist was print. Mm-hmm. And he said that it's just kind of sad to see the like true like old way of writing kind of go away just because digital is more convenient. So, do you agree with that? No, and it's not. I, no, I don't at all because um, I always tell people when I started in print, we were you know the very beginning we were on typewriters, okay, and there was the old line of type where they set your type and print and you know printed the newspaper, and then we moved to um, computers. The old, um, they were um, the, the uh, Radio Shack, um, what did we, we call them? Trash 80s. I can't remember oh what gosh. the real, right? but they were small, small computers, right? And you had to um, send your copies over the phone line, okay? And, and then we went to real computers, right? I have always said that reporting doesn't change. And you need to change with the times. You need to always be current. Writing and reporting, the objective should always be the same. And the thing about the new digital media is that it's more instantaneous. And that's a good thing. In, in, in most ways, it's a good thing. Um, we learn to use, utilize Twitter and Facebook. And, get, and, and that way, when you had, you know, a scoop or whatever, whatever we called it, you know, is still a good word. Um, you could get it out instantaneously through Twitter. And that's a good thing. And people shouldn't dwell in the past. I love reading newspapers, but I get all my digital copies still. You know, you can read the newspaper online. It's, it's a way to um, get out there and, and still um, reach your audience and reach a wider audience, probably, because um, it's just the physical nature of getting a newspaper out is getting tougher and tougher. So um, I don't 
living. I mean, it's great to come up in the past, but we always learn to adapt, and that's what this business is about. And, um, you know, so I would kind of disagree with your um, professor if he's lamenting. I mean, you know, the horse and buggy gave way to the car. So, come on. Right. Keep up with the times. That's what journalism is about. One thing that my mom and I always do leading up to these episodes is because, admittedly so, the majority of the guests comes from my mom and are people that my mom are familiar with. So one thing that we always do is we share information, we research, we read up. And the biggest takeaway that I had from all the, all the research that my mom provided me and research I did on my own is you really did a lot in your career. You covered just about any sport imaginable, mm-hmm. especially major sports, the Olympics, Major League Baseball, college mm-hmm. basketball. Mm-hmm. What area or time period of your career would you say was the most defining for you? Mm. Um, very good question. Probably the 90s, I guess, because um, uh, I covered the Olympics in 1988. And from there, um, it was, I moved into more um, baseball and, and college basketball. My two loves, you know, as far as sports goes. But um, it, I've got to say this, too. And, and it's partly it's because you and your mom are doing this podcast. People talk about um, uh, women in sports and what have you. I, um, I always say that I never had any real problems, and I, if I did, I dealt with them pretty quickly. But the one advantage I always found was that I don't know if it's just in our nature or what, but I always got to know the people that I covered a little bit more, um, and that was just a personal thing for me. Because if you're covering someone, it, it's nice to get to know them beyond their statistics, you know. And I always thought that that helped bring um, a, a different kind of depth of perspective to what I was covering. So it was easy to cover a game, you know. But I will tell you, I still remember the first time I was covering a Cub game. And it was one of the first times. And Rick Sutcliffe had been pitching. And it was the first outing he had after uh, he had been out for injuries. Okay, and he comes back and he wins the game, and so we're all in a scrum around him talking to him. And you know, he's talking about the game, but he had this kind of look on his face. And it was people walked away. I just kind of said to him, "Hey, Rick, for someone who just pitched a great game, you don't look real happy." And I don't know why I said that to him. But he looked at and he said, you know, last night was really tough for my family because our dog died. Oh. And so, uh, a, a, I'm a dog lover. You know, I do a lot of, since I retired, I've done a lot of um, therapy work with my dog, which is another whole subject. But I looked at him and I said, he said, it was really tough on my, you know. And I said, what was the dog's name? And he told me. He was our beagle. We named him Rookie because I got him in our rookie year. And I, you know, and I just talked to him a little bit. So when I left, I mean, I start, that's what I kind of wrote in my story. Mm-hmm. And it was different than what other people wrote. And, and, and I'm not taking away from my colleagues at all. I mean, guys just kind of have a different perspective. And, you know, and, and my story didn't get changed. 
you know. Um, and I just kind of wove that in. And I always found that when you kind of have a different, you know, just kind of approach things from a different way. And Jason, I would always say that to you. I bet your mom probably tells you that too. Because I'm sure, I know your mom covered things that way too. But um, you, you, you want to give your readers, you don't want to intrude on your subject um, privacy. But there's a way to kind of um, bring out the humanity of people too. And I think that always helps. You know, by and large, most of the stuff I, I wrote about when you're covering a game is the statistics and the win-loss and what have you. But every once in a while, you know, you can you find those stories. Back to our conversation with Tony Gennetti in just a moment. But first, have you ever dealt with bunions? I have. It got to the point that I couldn't even wear any shoes without having shooting pain. Even at night, I couldn't even pull the covers over my foot. It hurt so bad. It didn't matter if I was wearing slippers or boots, gym shoes working out, or heels for a night out. The pain was intolerable. I finally decided to do something about it. That's when I heard about Foot First Podiatry and their exclusive procedure, the Sklar Bunionectomy. It has you on your feet the day after surgery. Are you kidding? Well, I had to see it to believe it. And you know what? They were right. Surgery was easy. I am so glad I did it. I walked out of surgery in a boot, no cast, no crutches, walking the same day. And you can be back in a gym shoe in two weeks. When I look at my foot now, there's no visual scar. And best of all, I am pain-free. So ladies and guys, don't walk around in pain like I did for years. Visit footfirst.com. And now back to our conversation about the Ring Lardner Awards with this year's recipient, Tony Gennetti. But every once in a while, you know, you can you find those stories. I had an, another one that was always touching to me. Tell me if we're running out of time, Peg, but real quickly, Adam Dunn was with the White Sox, and he had had a terrible year his first year with them. And um, he had uh, two little boys who used to come into the uh, clubhouse all the time after the games when they allowed kids in. And the older boy was always, um, he was a little different than his brother and kind of clung by his dad. And I remember walking out of the clubhouse one day, and the mom was there. And as the wives would be waiting for their husbands afterwards, and um, she had a dog with her, and the dog had a vest on. It was a therapy dog. Mm. I mean, a, 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 a service dog. I take that back. And I started talking to her a little bit, and I said, "Oh, you know, this your dog. I have therapy dogs, and blah blah blah." Well, it turns out their son had epilepsy, mm. and he, um, this dog, they had trained to to boy obviously and a long story short I went to Adam and talked to him privately and I said would you mind if I did a story I realize this is very personal and I'm not going to really talk about I don't want to um, intrude on um, your son's situation but I think it's really good for people to kind of understand you know the things that you know and here's me with my dog lover thing the wife his wife was so Rachel was so accommodating and it turned into this, I thought a wonderful story about what they went through to get the dog, Mm. how, and how Adam talked about how hard it was his first year here. And he never wanted to talk about it, but his boy was really struggling and they were with some medical issues related to his epilepsy. 
And um, it was just, a, you know, it was a very different story. They, um, I got more letters and one very touching letter from a father who said, I'm so glad you wrote about this. My boy has epilepsy. I can't tell you how hard it is when I travel. Um, we've been trying to get a, fair, a dog for him, but it's so expensive. And a long story short, the, the Duns helped set up kind of a fund. And they didn't want to really talk about that, you know, mm. but to help people get, you know, service jobs. Well, a reporter is a reporter is a reporter. Yeah. Whether yeah. you're finding out, you know, what pitch they were planning on or what pitch they were looking for at that at bat mm-hmm. or, you know, whether you see that, you know, if it looked like, you know, Adam Dunn wasn't in the game that day, it was because, you know, he mm-hmm. had his mind on other things, you know, stuff right. like that. I mean, it, it's. It's amazing. All right. Quickly then, let me ask you yeah. the, here's the, I'm, I'm going to ask the generic question. Uh, sure. Favorite person you've ever interviewed, whether news or sports, uh, least favorite that you ever interviewed news or sports. Like, <laughs> do you have a Dave Kingman in your life? <laughs> um, yeah. He was a pitcher with the Cubs. Um, they had, I can't, I think of his name now. They had trade. This was the year after um, Greg Maddox, who was one of my favorites, after he left the Cubs, and they signed um, two pitchers that they thought would take the place of Maddox, and you know nobody took the place of Maddox. And this guy was so in- insulting when I first tried to talk to him at spring training, and. Uh, you know, set up an interview with him. He blew me off. Came came back and uh, and he ended up having a terrible year. He had a terrible year. And I remember joking with my other colleagues, saying, "You know, he's. I, I've always been trying to be fair with him. He's going to have a terrible year." And they used to joke with me, saying, "Oh boy, don't ever get Tony mad at you." <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and um, and and among the favorites. Jackie Joyner Kersey was just a doll. She is she's an Olympic uh, yep. track runner. Um, had asthma, you know. She overcome overcame um, some physical challenges in her life too. Um, I could name a couple others. Um, uh, you know, managers Jeff Torborg, just a just a great guy, a great guy. Ozzie Gian, another yeah. one of my favorites, and um, and Coach Ray Meyer, yeah, like a second, you know, just a wonderful human being, and I and I think that you don't think about the ones that you know the ones who were kind of you know pills or whatever you can kind of dismiss them, but it's the great people that you've met along the way and got to know mm-hmm. that really was you know I am so thankful for my career honestly, um, really really wonderful people most of the time and that you meet and it's great, you know. Jason, why don't you wrap it up for us with the last two questions? Yeah. Okay, first question, tell me a little bit about your experience being a voter for the Baseball Hall of Fame. Oh, that was um, um, something that uh, I really felt honored um, when I first, when, uh, you have to be in for 10 years before you get a ballot. And um, something that I took really seriously. 
And I remember the first ballot that I got, I was looking at some of the names and I thought, you mean this guy isn't in the Hall of Fame yet? Mm. And I remember, uh, you know, I look at names and going, oh my gosh. And I remember for uh, the first couple of years after I was voting, um, I remember Bert Blylevin. I looked at his statistics and I thought, how is he not in the Hall of Fame? And he was a broadcaster for the Minnesota Twins at the time. And I remember they were in town for a game once and I was talking to him and I just said, I, I just have to say this. I cannot believe you're in the Hall of Fame and I just want you to know I vote for you. And he was, he was so appreciative. He eventually did get in. Um, and yeah, it's, and they even, um, for a couple of years, they asked me to help review um, when they were changing their policies to look at um, past players um, who would go in on the, um, the the veterans committee thing. The first year they did that, they asked me to help. Uh, they asked a number of reporters, and and I was one of them who kind of helped produce that first ballot. So that was a real honor too. Okay, second question. <laughs> Yeah, last question. I cannot help but ask. You covered four Final Fours, correct? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which <laughs> of the four was your most memorable? Because covering a Final Four is one of my absolute biggest dreams as oh. a broadcaster, writer, whatever I'm going to get into. I so hope you get to do it because that is so much fun and, and so, um, you know, challenging. Um the one I remember the most, I think, was the last one when Illinois got to St. Louis in 2005, and um, they got to the championship game. And I was just, I was one of the backup reporters, so to speak. So they I, they always had me covering like the other team, <laughs> which was always kind of hard, you know. Yes. But uh, but but um, it, yeah, they were all great. They were all great, and I have such great memories from all of them. Um, meeting and it, and it helps you connect with a lot of people around the country too, which helped me later on as I was covering DePaul basketball and Loyola and um, UIC and some of the other local teams and stuff. Um, it was really great. Yeah. I hope you get to do it, Jason. I, I love it. I actually gave him a Christmas present a couple of years ago. Jason, what year was that, that we went to the final four? How could you forget 2016 when Villanova won the championship on a bus? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It yeah. was unbelievable. I mean, that was, yeah. it was so great to see that in person. But you know what, Tony? I wish we could all be in person for the Ring Lardner Awards and, and give you a standing ovation. Please, you know, oh, hear, hear the standing ovation all the way from my house to yours. Uh, you deserve <laughs> the award, um, especially when it's named after a sports writer. I, I, really respect the heck out of you writers and congratulations and um we look forward to following the event virtually this year and uh seeing all the exception the exception uh speeches the acceptance speeches Mm -hmm. i should say and um is rick tellender doing your introduction yeah yeah he is uh-oh (laughs) uh-oh i know i'm <laughs> well, it's great to hear from you. Congratulations, and thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thank you so much. I enjoyed being with both of you. Thanks a lot. You got it. Congratulations, Tony. Congratulations. Thank you so much.
I love Tony Janetti. Very interesting to talk to her and to catch up with her. She was really, really well liked by everybody that she worked with, whether it was the managers or the players. And to think about she was doing it back in the 70s, you know, that's why when people look at me and they think, you know, I was some kind of uh, groundbreaker. It's like, oh my gosh, no. People like Tony Gennetti, women like Tony Gennetti, who were so well respected uh, while they were, you know, writing about sports. Um, I just loved it. What'd you think of her, Jace? I loved. I personally, I love the interview. I'm now that I'm in college and uh, I'm exposed a lot more to all the different types of sports media and all the different personalities within them. Like it's so easy when you're in high school and all you want to do is like watch the games to only appreciate the voice that you're hearing from the TV. But once you get into college and do a lot more reading, like I explained earlier, I read so much, so many articles, predictions, feature stories, columns, etc. Um, I've kind of gained a newfound appreciation for the writing aspect and especially the old-fashioned writing aspect. And although Tony said that she doesn't necessarily agree with the fact that media moving towards all digital is a bad thing, I personally got a lot out of hearing about her experiences several decades ago because the only real exposure that I've had to that is just from hearing your experiences and how, with no matter how amazing your experiences are and the stories that you tell me, it's so cool to hear from somebody else that's had a similar experience, but also covered so many things on a major scale, like four Final Fours, what was it, three Olympics, mm-hmm. Cubs, White Sox. She covered everything yeah. in such like a short period of time almost. That's what I want to get out of being a sports broadcaster or a writer or just being involved in sports media. I want to be one of those people that's kind of like a utility knife, can cover any single event, any team, any sport, any gender, any whether it be international or domestic or the World Series or the Olympics or the Final Four or the National Championship game. I want to be like that. So it was very refreshing and enlightening to hear from her and hear about her experiences. And now that her career is over, just hear her reflect on her career. I loved it. I got a lot out of it. And you know what, since this is um, in honor of Ring Lardner and the Ring Lardner Awards in Chicago, then... Um Let's skip predictions. Let's just say for our final thoughts uh, to all of you sports writers whose words ring in our hearts and souls, uh, we thank you. We thank all of you. And, um, well, let's do our traditional goodbye, Jace. Let's do it. So first and foremost, our thanks to Adam Yaffe, a new year, but the same professional expertise that he gives us in guiding the show. We'd also like to thank Aldo Gandhi and the Far Room Network. It's been such a great start on the new platform. Some of the best Chicago football podcasts are featured on the Bar Room Network, so always be sure to check it out. But also make sure you're checking us out there on Podbean and wherever you get your audio. Our thanks also to Tony Gennetti, longtime sports writer for the Chicago Sun-Times. You can follow her on Twitter, where she is still talking about college hoops, you know, as, as she told us. And hey, if you are interested in the Ring Lardner Awards... We would love to have you take part, whether as a sponsor or how about just a viewer this year, since it will be online. Write this down, get your pen and paper, or just type it out on your computer while you're listening. Contact Marina Del Cid at m.siragusa, that is spelled S-I-R-A-G-U-S-A, that's m.siragusa at U-L-B-G-C-A. 
org, or you can call this number 312-765-0405 and we will also put this information on our website at the sportscasterandherson.com don't forget to tune into the ring lardner awards thursday night april 29th seven o'clock central time you can go to the union league girls and boys clubs website at ulbgc.org for more information all proceeds from the ring lardner awards go towards the union league's girls not and boys clubs. you can find our podcast website as my mom just said, at the sportscaster and her son.com. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest, too. Thank you, everybody. Remember to download, subscribe, rate our podcast on Apple, Podbean, Google Podcasts, and wherever you may listen. Don't forget we're on YouTube. Don't forget we're on YouTube. Thank you to our, uh, gosh, Jason, we're almost at 16,000 listens and counting. Stay safe, everybody. That includes you, Jason, okay? Thank you, Mom. I'm getting vaccinated next week, so... Um, just about one more week is really following the COVID precautions. No, I'm just kidding. I was going to follow the precautions. <laughs> uh, but yeah, everyone stay safe, get vaccinated, make sure you're on top of that. I know it's a lot of work. I know it can be annoying to fill out the forms. I know that everybody kind of has talked to way too many people. I'm sorry, I'm kind of going on a tangent. But I've talked to way too many people with the mentality of I'll let everyone else get vaccinated and yeah. I'll be fine. No, yeah. no, no. Go get that vaccine. We want herd immunity. We want a normal summer. We want a pack with stands, a guaranteed right field. Everyone go out and get vaccinated. Stay safe. See you next time. All right. Goodbye, Jason. Bye, Mom. The Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years, electrically connecting our world. And by Foot First Podiatry. It's time to get your bunion fixed with Foot First Podiatry's exclusive Sklar Bunionectomy. No visual scars, no casts, no crutches, no kidding. Visit footfirst.com.